Oh, thank you, Bobby. Well, we're a little bit light this morning. I know the uh, cedar pollen has just really made things difficult for a lot of people, me included. And so I will be using as few words as possible this morning as I do this message. Uh, we had a great men's breakfast yesterday. We did not burn down the church, as, uh, but we did set off the fire alarm as Tom was cooking bacon. Um, but we had a, a good time of fellowship. And so I encourage you, if you happen to be of the male persuasion uh, in February, um, please join us for breakfast. It really was uh, a good time. <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning about something that is just really basic to all of us that we often overlook its significance in God's great design. I, I, I want to talk about water this morning. Um, this, this morning as uh, I'm, I'm suffering through this uh, allergy, uh, <clears throat> water has been very important to me. Um, plain old ordinary water. When we stop and, and really think about it, it is far from plain and far from ordinary. There's so many uses for it. We need it to live. We need it to make things grow. We use it to prepare the foods we eat. We use it to wash and clean and purify things. We use it to clean ourselves. It's a really valuable resource that God has given us, this gift of water. <clears throat> Just recently, uh, as this allergy has come on, Angela has been telling me, I need to drink more water. And I always go to my go-to, which is coffee, which is made with water. You know, the coffee bean was, was created by God. But she often tells me, as she has many times this past three days, it's not the same as water. And I think that's true. She's right. It does have water in it, but it's not the same. We wouldn't use coffee to shower in, although when I got up this morning, I really considered it. Water is a basic element of God's creation. Much of God's creation is made up of water. Even our own bodies contain a higher percentage of water than anything else. And God uses water as an instrument, a vehicle for many wonderful things in his kingdom. And one of the ways he uses it is in the sacred act of baptism. Which is why we call baptism a sacrament. It is a sacred act of grace that God has given us. It's an outward physical sign of an inward spiritual grace. It's an outward demonstration of the transforming grace of God. And our gospel lesson this morning is from the third chapter of Matthew. I won't ask you to stand for this, but <clears throat> pay attention to how 
God uses water in this baptism of our Lord. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, Lord. And now do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And so this Sunday is the commemoration of the baptism of our Lord. It's a great opportunity to remember Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist and also a great opportunity for us as the people of God to remember our own baptism, to remember what it means to us, to recall how we've been changed by that event, even if we were too young to remember it. See, if you were baptized, regardless of when or in what denomination you were baptized, there was an indelible mark left on you that marked you as Christ's own forever. Now, I want to be particularly clear the event of your, of your baptism, no matter when it happened, was not a justifying event. That is to say, the act of baptism did not save you. Salvation comes only through the intentional acceptance and acknowledgement by you of Jesus as your Savior. But your baptism is nonetheless an important benchmark in the direction of your life and significant in the provenient grace of God, that, that grace that comes before saving grace, salvation, justification. It's a benchmark in the direction of your life significant in that provenient grace of God at work in your life before you were saved. And also, it's an important means of grace in this lifelong sanctifying journey that each of us is on from the moment we said yes to Jesus. And so Jesus' baptism was the fulfillment of a covenant with God the Father and with all of God's creation, which is why Jesus says to John, let it be so now for it is proper for us to, in this way, to fulfill all righteousness. You see, righteousness occurs when we meet the expectations of a covenant. And so baptism is a sign of obedience, a sign of our willingness to stand in the faith and in the perfect will 
of the sovereign God. Oh, but pastor, I was a baby when I was baptized. How could I stand in the faith? Well, you had someone stand in the faith for you until you were old enough to embrace that decision. Someone that nurtured you in the faith until you could make that decision for yourself. Listen to this definition of baptism that comes to us from the hymnal. It says, in baptism, the church declares that it is bound in covenant to God. The church declares that it is bound in covenant to God. Through baptism, new persons are initiated into that covenant. The covenant connects God, the community of faith, the church, and the person being baptized. All three are essential to the fulfillment of of the baptismal covenant. So it takes the person being baptized, certainly. It takes the rest of the community of faith. And of course, it takes God the Father. The faithful grace of God initiates the covenant relationship and enables the community of faith and the person to respond with faith. Did you catch that? The faithful grace of God initiates the covenant. God initiates the covenant. That's why it doesn't matter if you remember your baptism or not because you were baptized as a baby. Because God does. He's the initiator of the covenant. That's why we don't re-baptize. Because it need only happen once. The covenant is in good standing, whether you remember the actual event or not. And so as we are baptized, we are reminded of the quiet transformation that takes place within us as we enter this covenantal relationship with God. It's a relationship of water and the Holy Spirit. And so when you were baptized... Chances are the important the importance of the element of water was spoken for all to hear in the presence of almighty God. It may have sounded something like this. Eternal father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. So after that liturgy of the water was spoken, 
there was probably an invocation of the Holy Spirit, an invocation to carry through the baptism into this lifelong commitment to a justifying and sanctifying grace relationship, a righteous relationship, a covenantal relationship with the living God. <coughs> and so this invocation... prayed over the water may have sounded something like pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives that dying and being raised with Christ they may share in his final victory And so this morning, I think <clears throat> when we get to our time of reflection and response as a way to remember this, this event of baptism, as you come up for communion on either side of the rail, stop by the baptismal font. By the font here, we have some little glass rocks. Blue ones, clear ones, white ones, whatever you choose. Take one of those and just drop it into the baptismal font. And then during the pastoral prayer before we dismiss, I'll pour the water over your rock, the rock that represents your baptism as a symbol of the remembrance of that covenant relationship that you have with God. After we're done, if you want to come take one of those stones out of the font, out of the water, as a remembrance, you're welcome to do that. This is just our way of remembering that our baptism it was a covenantal relationship with God the Father. But wait a minute, Pastor, I don't think I've ever been baptized. That's okay. Take a stone and drop it in anyway as a commitment that you'll come speak with me about baptism. Because it is an important benchmark that Jesus did for himself because it was obedient to God the Father that he did that. And so that's why if you've never been baptized, you should prayerfully consider making that a part of your faith journey. It's important. Baptism by water, and most importantly, baptism by the Holy Spirit. So as you remember your baptism this morning, as, as we remember Christ's baptism, remember that through the water and the Holy Spirit, you are quietly transformed into a vessel. A vessel that's ready to receive the living 
water that Jesus spoke of. Water that quenches our thirst for righteousness, for holiness, for godliness. Through baptism, we're cleansed of our former selves and made ready to enter into a covenantal relationship, an eternal covenant of life. And we do so in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.